Welcome to The Six Figure Therapist, where we discuss professional and practical ways for mental health practitioners to help others and make money. Here's your host, Dr. Arcella. Hello, I'm Dr. Arcella, and I want to welcome you to our first Six Figure Therapist Masterclass. And I decided to call it a masterclass because we have one of the masters here. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here. One of the reasons why I'm so happy you're here, and I'm hoping that this will help the the people who listen to this and and watch this, is that um, I remember back in the day, we were working at a university together, and we used to get on stage and demonstrate different theories and how students can conceptualize theories and conceptualize clients using those theories. And I remember, I don't know if you remember, but that, that was one of the, some of the best sessions that students would come later on and say, we, we were so happy to be able to see the difference. Yes. Yeah. in the use of theory. So I'm hoping that that's something that we can do for the six figure therapists is to get people like you from different orientations and myself from different orientations and, and come together to really get people to figure out the skills that they need to do this. So first I always say to everyone that what we do in mental health is a gift that I think that some of the piece of this is a inner gift. And so what made you decide to go into mental health and be a psychologist? Yeah, I, I think that when I was in high school, um, I was very interested in in not only psychology, but interestingly in literature. And and literature really, you know, great novels, literature really showed me or kind of opened my eyes that I was really interested in character and character development and the emotional issues that the characters were dealing with. And, and uh, so I thought, you know, that's a strong interest of mine, but I also had an interest in trying to be helpful to people and helping them sort themselves out and, and, uh, and, and having, uh, having my own therapy experience in high school was very helpful. And so, uh, so that led me to say, I'm going to really pursue this and see if I can develop as you say, the skills and knowledge to be able to try and do something to be helpful to people who struggled with a lot of uh, emotional um, and interpersonal problems. Okay. All right. And so once you, you did that, so you, you got, you finished high school, you went on, of course, got your back, you got the PhD. And so then how did you, so let's talk about your theory. Cause you know, we talk about theory selection and things like that. So um, tell me how you selected your theory. Yeah, um, I, I realized when I, when I was reading um, in in high school and college, you know, when when I when I was learning in, in college, I saw that the things people come in and talk about when they're in therapy are often relationships, relationships from the past, current relationships, sometimes the relationship with the therapist. And, and these relationships, they talk about patterns that have been problematic and disappointments and needs that aren't met. And, and I, I felt that the, the psychodynamic approach being an in-depth kind of approach would help me to understand the, the early patterns that really brought people to where they, they were now. And, and I realized that the, the part of what appealed to me about the psychodynamic approach is that these childhood problems that continue to affect people as adults were very much in the present. They were there in the relationship and they were there in the room. 
And so when people say, well, psychodynamics are all about the past, I say to them, well, it's really very present oriented in that we, we get a, a window into people's lives uh, and, and the struggles uh, from early development. And, uh, and, and so it, it kind of provides us with a way to help people and maybe hopefully free them up from some of these patterns that they keep repeating. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, so basically you saw that theory and you thought, okay, since it's about relationships, this is about some of the, the earlier stages in life that, and that's still happening today. Some of those same responses and things like that are happening today, that that theory best fit how you thought people, because I always try to get people to think, how do people get the way they are? And then, yes. you know, what do they need to do? So you thought that that was the best way. Yes. And also I felt that psychodynamic theory, which I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about, but psychodynamic theory, particularly modern psychodynamic theory, it really provides us with two things that I think are important in a theory. One is a kind of model of the mind of, of, of health and and problems. And it has some predictive value. Mm-hmm. It has some value in, as I come to learn about the person, I have a sense of what may be coming next. What are some of the ways that their problems may show themselves? What what kind of difficulties do they get into? And so I, I think, uh, you know, you said earlier about skills and theory and case conceptualization. It's so important to be able to conceptualize with a theory in mind. And and then we may learn to integrate another theory. For example, I, I when I work with people with OCD, I, I will sometimes uh, integrate psychodynamic theory and cognitive behavioral uh, theory, including, you know, exposure, response, prevention kinds of interventions. But, um, you know, to get back to what you said a minute or two ago, you know, when trainees, when people in supervision ask me, well, what do I do next with the client? Which some supervisors, you know, don't really want to hear because they they want the person to think for themselves. My response, I think it's a good question. My my response is, well, that depends on what you're trying to impact. And you need to have some conceptualization of what's going on. Are you trying to learn more information about something? Are you trying to to help them and collaborate to change behavior? Are you you're trying to deal with some Uh, feelings. So what do we do next depends on what are we trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I call it intention. Like, what's your intention for the client? Or what's your intention based on what the client has told you? And that's the thing. We'll have to talk about, do another class on that because I was supervising somebody yesterday, for example. And one thing, he it was some childhood stuff with mother and stuff that, of course, is still going on, as you said earlier. And so that conceptualization of, of this is why it happened was there and the client agreed with it, but then it was straight to solution. Like, so now, now do this instead when you see your mother do this. And, and then, so that little piece in between, I don't know what that's called. I don't know if, if psychodynamic theory, but you know, do you know what I'm saying? That little piece in between was what I was trying to, that it's not just, okay. I, Cause he kept going back to the big picture problem. Okay. Yeah. It's your mama. Okay. <laughs> right. But okay. But how do we get you to change? that like you see what i mean i don't know if that makes sense yeah i think i think part of it is to learn how the person has internally processed what went on mm-hmm. and to see how maybe they also repeat that 
maladaptive relationship with other people in their life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, I tell my trainees that, I mean, everything is internally processed. You know, if, if you were empathic with your, you know, client and they didn't experience it as empathy, then it was a good, good try. It wasn't exactly empathy. Um, but um, yeah, the way I discuss it with trainees too is if, if you if you went to the urgent care center and they said, you know, based on what little I've asked you, I haven't really asked you a lot, you know, here are several antibiotics, you know, good luck, go home, see if any of them, <laughs> exactly. That's an any, example. any of them help you. And, and, and then we won't know why they did it anyway. Uh, so uh, the other, other aspects of, you know, psychodynamic theory that appeal is that, uh, and maybe, you know, I think this is so of human beings, regardless of your orientation, but I think psychodynamic theory uh, really stresses this. People work really hard consciously and probably out of their awareness to keep things from themselves. And, and we hear this from people. Why, why would someone need to say to me in therapy, I, I don't have a jealous bone in my body? And, and as if it would be a crime to at times feel jealous or, you know, or I, I'm not at all competitive. Well, isn't there normal? you know, healthy competition. Mm -hmm. So part of it is what people are trying to hide from themselves. And we, we develop these defenses or ways of hiding things from ourselves, coping, trying to preserve our self-esteem. Maybe the therapist would feel uh, negatively towards me if they saw me as being jealous of a friend's accomplishments. Can't you feel good and maybe jealous at the same time, which is another concept in the psychodynamic theory that I, I, you know, people are full of ambivalences and mixed feelings. Yeah, and 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 also I'm glad you're saying those things because, and and hopefully we'll we'll be able to make a bigger class about this because I've there was little nuances because people will come and tell me all the time, you know, this training all these years as well. Somebody will say, oh, I'll, you know, I'll say, what's your theoretical orientation? Oh, it's psychodynamic. Okay. What, what, tell me about it. You know, who, which, which theorists do you follow in psycho? What do you mean? Like, you know, it's like, it's only one. No, it's more than one. <laughs> and, and they have slightly different viewpoints about things. So, you know, so, so I say that to say, can you tell me a little bit because I know you've been around a little minute, just like me. Can you tell me a little bit about your training? Because I, I think that if we get yeah. back to some of our training, the way we used to be trained, maybe it might be helpful. For yeah. Yeah. I, I went through a, a uh, five-year PsyD program in clinical and it, it was, uh, it was one of the first and uh, freestanding PsyD programs. And and it had, uh, it was an APA approved program and it was an APA approved, what was called a captive, you know, integrated internship. So um, it, 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 the first uh, two, two years had two day a week placements with uh, patients and the last three years had three days mm -hmm. and it, coursework throughout the whole thing and supervision and, and so, and, and it was associated with the hospital. So there were some courses that we did in the hospital, uh, interviewing psychotic patients, for example. And there were a lot of therapy courses and a lot of courses on uh, psychodiagnostic testing, um, cognitive, but a lot of personality testing. And, and, um, and, and it, it, there was a kind of, you know, 
classical psychodynamic uh, uh, flavor to it. And, and then over time, I've become very uh, relational or interpersonal in my psychodynamic perspective, where I see the connectedness with others and the maladaptive relationship patterns leading to a lot of symptoms such as anxiety and depression. And also working with, I learned a lot about working with transference and uh, being aware of counter-transference. And, and that, you know, it's interesting when I teach new students, they, they say to me, I'm, I'm going to be so aware that I will never have <laughs> counter-transference. And I say, well, good luck to you. Um, and uh, the important thing is to try to become aware of it rather than uh, phobically avoid it where you probably are trying not to even react and because people are going to develop their own transferences to you mm-hmm. based on lots of things yeah no matter <laughs> no matter and 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 even you know Aaron Beck you know who passed away in the last few years yeah uh, Aaron Beck who was initially trained as a psychoanalyst uh, has had said in his later years if you if you work with personality disorders, even if you work from a cognitive behavioral framework, particularly narcissistic and borderline, and you don't understand how to work with transference, good luck to you, because these people live at that level where they are putting what Freud called the transference template onto people in their life and seeing them as if they were other people from growing up. And that's why relationships with them are, are particularly challenging. And, and so, so, you know, defenses, transference, maladaptive patterns that people repeat, um, these are all important aspects of, of psychodynamic thought. And I think, and, and, and maybe we can get into this with other talks or classes. I think when people see that, that there are a lot of concepts from Freud that have stood the test of time and some that have not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and psychodynamic therapy has been pretty well researched, mm-hmm. probably beginning in the 80s, but mm-hmm. certainly a lot more. Um, it, it, it may give a bit of a different perspective to this. And, and certainly, you know, there, there, there are different therapies that have, you know, contributed to, to our work with people. But I, I find a lot of people are, are very misinformed or very little informed in the, in the psychodynamic kind of theory and mm-hmm. therapy. I'll give you a quick example of, of uh, transference. Um, I worked uh, with a, a young woman in college a long time ago. Who was, uh, she was a grad student, actually. And, and, and the summary of it was that, you know, she grew up where her interests were more in the artistic literature area and her, her father was uh, in business and accounting and her brother was in business and accounting and another brother was going into business and accounting. <laughs> and although her mother valued what she did, uh, her father and brothers saw it as a, you know, a kind of cute field to go in and, and really demeaned it. And, uh, and she came to therapy because her boyfriend who was in law school and doing well, while on the one hand, she was proud of him. When he got an award, she became very critical of him. And uh, and, and so anyway, we're working together and, and I'm helping her take a look at 
how the wish to be valued is so important, but when she feels or perceives she's not, she lashes out or gets depressed. And 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 we're going through, I guess you you could call it either in cognitive behavioral world or psychodynamic, you know, that there's a schema that I'm helping her see. Mm-hmm. And 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 then at the end of the session, I felt for her self-esteem. So I I said to her, she asked her, can we, can we work on this together? And I said, sure. And, and you're a really bright young woman. I think we can work together in a number, you know, whatever, 18 sessions. Mm-hmm. And she says to me, she, are you being sarcastic? My calling her a bright young woman made her wonder if I was being genuine because could I as a male, maybe a male with a doctorate, like her dad being successful. Could I see that or, or or did I really think her literature studies was also kind of cute and, you know, and, and so I, I pointed out to her that we, we had a fascinating situation here. This came alive mm-hmm. in the session where a male who was older than her and had an advanced degree could not see her mm-hmm. as smart or valuable because of the major that she chose. And and it gave us the opportunity to see, well, maybe this happens elsewhere. Maybe you're assuming people are thinking this of you and you're reacting hostily. But maybe, you know, not when it's not their intent to do anything. No, not their intent at all. And that's where, you know, transference sometimes comes up in how people expect the other to react to them or... Or, or convince themselves that's how the other reacted to them. So then, okay, so with that example then, because it is interesting, because like you said, some people people lash on to certain things and theories and parts, well, parts of Freud's theory when they talk about, especially transference and countertransference, everybody talks about that at some point in time, even if they say they don't subscribe to the theory. So, but for example, so in terms of skill, then you pointed that out right away. So I two questions I would have. So first, do you kind of gauge to see if that's something you yes. would save for later or point out right away? Yes. Yeah. Timing and judgment are very important in clinical work. The reason I pointed out right away is because she said, are you being sarcastic? Mm-hmm. And I said, that's, I said, that's, uh, what word did I use? Um, that's amazing. And she said angrily, what's so amazing? And I said, it just happened with us. Can you think about it? And she was able to say, yeah, I thought you couldn't be genuine. And then we were able to discuss, maybe there's a part of you that is primed for this. But there are times where, yes, you you would not bring it up. And uh, and certainly we want the, the patient, the client, to be able to come to these understandings with our collaboration rather than us you know, just quote, lecturing them about it. Mm -hmm. Because people, I I think in therapy, people really are looking for an experience and not just an explanation. Um, But in this case, we had it right in the room. And I was concerned if I didn't deal with it, she may not have come back because she would leave. I mean, imagine what that's like to think mm-hmm. your therapist at the end of a session says, you're a bright young woman and you think, wow, you know, even he is uh, is, is toying with me here. Right. And especially the, the part that's so interesting about the story is 
technically you didn't say anything that people would consider negative, right? Like you said, it's her perception of right young woman normally doesn't make anyone be like, oh my gosh, are you serious? You know, that's right. That's right. And, 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 uh, and it shows how um, ingrained that expectation is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was curious if it ever happened with her fiance, because from all accounts, he was proud of her being in master's program in literature and and uh, didn't put it down. But but, uh, you know, uh, she could miss, you know, we all misinterpret it, you know, and and so um, and, and, and I'm not saying transference occurs all the time, but. You know, Freud purposefully tried to activate it all the time by he wanted a window into the childhood relationships. And the use of the couch was partly of I don't want to be a distraction. I want you to project onto me. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he also wanted the luxury of not having to care about his facial expressions day in and day out, which, you know, yeah. can be tough. <laughs> and, uh, <Yeah>. and so. <laughs> And this is that that is the funniest part because you know in writing the, I'm writing a six figure therapist program right and I'm putting little things like that like watch your face show up before your client you know little things like that that people think oh that's so simplistic but I promise you in talking to clients and you know all these years you've been doing this those little things matter you know so we do have skills we have interpersonal stuff but we also have customer service we have perception we have all these things like you said it's it is an experience and I always say you should be a different experience when they show up to your office and so yeah yeah i mean i i want the people that i see to feel like all that matters in that time to me is is them Mm -hmm. and and you know and and since people process how they do people are going to read into our facial expressions which can give us information i remember years ago i had a woman come back who had been away from therapy a little and she shared that she was restricting her eating. And I was aware I had a kind of look on my face or I reacted or with, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, Mm -hmm. that you're struggling with this. She jumped down my throat with, what's that face? Mm -hmm. What's that face? Are you feeling critical? Because this is what's happening with me. Mm -hmm. You know, it just gets activated Mm -hmm. if that's their schema. And uh, to say, well, I was aware I had a facial expression. Can you help me sort out, you know, what made it seem critical to you? Mm-hmm. And, and is that familiar to you? And, and I wasn't aware of feeling critical, but obviously I came across that way. So is this something that, you know, you tend to, to be uh, on alert for? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are the things, you know, moment to moment shifts in mood in therapy may have something to do with what they think the therapist thought of them. So part of the psychodynamic approach is is to try to be aware of different things going on in the room, which Freud referred to as uh, trying to have equal hovering attention where you don't get hung up on just one thing. And I tell my students that active listening also includes, what are we not talking about? Have we colluded together to avoid a topic because it's an uncomfortable 
So then what would you say if somebody said, well, like um, I have, I had a supervisor that knew someone had experienced some trauma, didn't know all the details, but knew some, but were, was his thing was, he said, I'm waiting till the client tells me. So like, if someone thinks that, which is a logical thought process, but based on what Freud might think, what would, would he do with something like that? Would he wait? Would he mention it? Well, I would certainly, I think, wait in the beginning, but at some point, uh, maybe to say, um, you know, it's, it seems to me that maybe there, there are some things that you're not yet comfortable enough with me to talk about. And I put it on myself. Mm-hmm. One of the things I try to do in therapy is to be careful about the language, to do my best to try not to shame somebody. Mm-hmm. Not always easy because a lot of people come in with a great deal of, of uh, shame. But I, I gave a very simple example to students the other night. I said, this may sound silly to you, but uh, I picked one of them and said, so you're my 17-year-old client. And uh, if I asked you, tell me about your dating history, I probably could get away with that. Mm-hmm. And you probably you know, have dated, but let's say you haven't dated. And I ask you about your dating history. Am I inviting you to lie? Because I've now made it clear that I think you should have a dating history. Mm -hmm. So what I might do then is to say or ask, has the opportunity to date come up? And then you can say, it has, but I, but I haven't. And I can say, oh, well, what do you think me, you know, have gotten in the way of that? Or no, there haven't been opportunities. Oh, well, what has gotten in the way of that? Or they tell me about their dating. So I try not to pin someone against the wall. Mm-hmm. And, and even in a simple thing, because, you know, uh, if, if you say, you know, tell me about your dating history, they may think, oh, the therapist thinks I should have had one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And or they felt some way about not having one, and that takes them in a whole nother direction. Of my friend said this, or I'm not pretty enough, or handsome enough, or right. I, I, can't, I can't get the ladies with me. You know, it's, so it could be a whole, like you said, a whole nother rabbit hole. But th- then this is the whole point that I hope people are are getting to. And I could told you, you, we could have a whole, we could talk about each of these things in depth. But the point is, it, the skill piece of it is, like you said, timing. It's actually it's, it's quickness. It's, it's active listening as you mentioned before it really and sometimes we just think oh I'll just sit there and show up and it's going to happen no it's it it really is a lot that goes into it um and especially if you don't have the theory to process it then you really I just find that really interesting to wonder what to be a fly on the wall what people are talking about in the room if you (laughs) yeah yeah and 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 look it takes time for for theoretical knowledge to develop so I tell people you know, as we're working on this, here are the things you can listen for. Themes and patterns mm-hmm. that get repeated are very important. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and uh, um, but yeah, the, the skills piece, uh, you know, a lot of people feel, well, some people feel, you know, the skills piece, you know, that's not as uh, sexy as the sitting there and trying to help somebody, you know, understand them. But it's part of it, just like learning how to inquire to deepen the conversation. So if a trainee says to me, my client was angry with their mother, I have very little idea what that means. I mean, I have some idea, but uh, I, I say, well, 
can you tell me, did you, did you have a chance to inquire about the interpersonal scenario that happened there? Mm-hmm. So we know what the anger was about and, and, and was the anger, uh, irritation was it rage was it whatever you know and so uh so without the interpersonal scenario we don't know why mm-hmm. don't know why you know um and um you know I, I i was working once with a woman with uh with uh dissociative identity disorder and she you know had discussed with with her mother that she you know her mother said she didn't know that there was abuse at the hands of the father in childhood and the patient you know wasn't so sure that the mother didn't deny this and anyway so they're they're getting along well in adulthood and and uh but then i hear my mother and i had a real argument about something and i took it out on myself mm-hmm. and or what does real argument mean and right. and and, you know, well, what, what were you doing? What occurred? And I learned they're watching a television program. What was it about? What occurred? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was somebody on, you know, some reality TV show who was discussing something in their life. And the mother said, oh, I don't really think that's the way it would have happened. And you can see it activated in daughter. The, oh, this is what I, you know, I heard from her about this earlier on until she realized how, you know, damaged I was from this, Mm -hmm. how much I survived. So without knowing, oh, that really couldn't have happened from a TV show. I have no idea why the irritation was there, why the the disappointment Mm -hmm. and all of that. So inquiry is so important in this field and teaching students to learn to get more data of the person. Now, you know me, Scott, I call it being nosy. <laughs> you know, I always had a ghetto version. Of it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you really yeah. should be, you know, like I, and I told my supervisor, I, there should not be a question that I should ask that you hadn't asked. So I want you to keep digging until you say, okay, Dr. Trimble should be satisfied with this. Because like you said, if you only get a little bit, you're making assumptions about what it is and you're just throwing out random stuff. When in fact, anybody, most people, if we're asking questions at the same level as everyone else, because most people don't listen well, most people don't ask a lot of questions, then we're not doing our jobs as much. So I'm gonna go back though for two things. One, when I was asking you about your training, did they watch you? Because I have found when I've been training supervisors that supervisors don't have people people who have actually watched them do therapy. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) I I kind of predated the video. uh, Oh, yeah. uh, 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 Live? Did they watch it live or? um, On occasion, Okay. If, if they were in the same agency or clinic, but what what we I did do is, um, <laughs> and this was tedious as every anything, is uh, I would for certain supervisors transcribe sessions from a tape recorder. Okay. Okay. And I tell my younger students, you can Google what a tape recorder is, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so I would read verbatim, or they we'd listen to it verbatim. Okay. And uh, so, yes, um, and there were process notes, but there were also the recordings of this. And and when I supervise or teach, 
I do watch videos with the students because, uh, you know, it's an interesting role as a supervisor. You know, you're talking with one person about another who you've never met. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and so I'm trying to understand uh, the person through the, through the eyes of the trainee, but I also want to see how their own issues or distortions are impacting this or their own reactions. And so, and if they're irritated with a patient, what has activated this in them? And, uh, you know, I, I was dealing with a new student who, you know, was pretty new to this and was doing a CBT uh, treatment and used homework as a part of it, which is, you know, part of part of that. And, and the client would say, yeah, sure, I'll do it, and then hardly do it. And, uh, and the trainee was so irritated, was saying to me, I think they're doing this to get back at me. I'm like, would you come to that? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, well, it made them feel incompetent. Oh, okay, okay. okay. And, uh, and, and just like new trainees who we don't even expect to know much, the word they use uh, uh, in, in sessions with me is that they feel like an imposter. I'm like, who do you think oh. you're impostering? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, you gotta be, you have to have somebody to. <laughs> I mean, you know, but, but anyway, uh, the, so, so to help them understand, um, what, what, what is going on between you and the person that you're, you're in this uh, interpersonal loop where you you give them homework, they say yes, and they don't do it. This needs to be understood rather than your irritation mm-hmm. about it. Um, yeah, and we can talk about supervision again too, because I, I we had supervisors who said if if we gave that scenario, sometimes they'll say something like, "Well, maybe they need to go talk to somebody else." Well, no, you have to talk to them at some point because guess what? They still might see that client next week, and even if they did go to therapy for whatever issue it is. They still, ha- you still have to do something to help the client, you know, so you can't just say, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, one could consider asking the client, uh, you know, if something gets in the way of you doing it, did you feel able to tell me that you didn't want to? Mm-hmm. And, but that can be anxiety provoking for, for trainees because right. we're asking them now to get into process. Mm-hmm. What's occurring between the two of them? And I tell students, as one of my mentors years ago used to say, while psychotherapy is complicated, at any given moment, there are three things we can choose to focus on in the room. The content of what they're saying, the affect or emotion they're having, or the process of what's going on between the two of us, if it's relevant to to them. And so process is a, is an unnerving topic. You mean you want me to bring up something between you and me and them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, so, uh, so yeah, the, the supervision helps people to learn about uh, that. We, we're not just an observer. We're a participant observer in that, uh, in that relationship. Yeah. And then the second thing I was going to ask you when, um, with, when that example that you gave about the transference, with that client. So you were saying, okay, so it happened in the room, we see it live. So how would you, and you, you kind of talked about some of the things you might say, but how would you get her, you said if it shows up in other relationships, for example, the fiance and things like that, what could, what was that, that little piece that I keep talking about in between that you could say, yeah, yeah, you yeah, could do yeah. something with that as opposed to yeah. just saying it. 
Yeah, one way to inquire about it is what just occurred here. Is this familiar to you? Um, and and for them to think about maybe other relationships and and uh, um, then maybe to inquire is 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 this something that you feel uh, maybe important people in your life have contributed to and they might think about you know where where this comes from and and one misconception that people sometimes think is that you know transference is always about parents it can be about siblings it can be about uh other important people as they grow up uh who they you know and how they feel those people felt towards them or reacted towards them so yeah it's it's trying to get the person curious about these interpersonal patterns and do they occur elsewhere and do they contribute to, you know, the depression, anxiety and other field, other, other symptoms that they have? So then if they say, yes, it does. I saw it with my fiance. I see it with my friends, that kind of thing. Then how do you help them to change it? Yeah. What, what we try to do there is to see, um, well, first, being more aware of it helps, um, just like I, I would equate that to if you're doing cognitive work, and and, and there are cognitive aspects of psychodynamic work, um, to, to, you know, if you're helping somebody with a, quote, cognitive distortion, you want them to become more aware of it, mm -hmm. and, and not to immediately act on it, to, to put the brakes on, so to speak. But also, I think part of the psychodynamic interpersonal approach is to help them consider how they're trying to get their needs met. And maybe they're doing it in ways that are evoking these reactions from people. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so they're recreating a pattern. Okay. So to look for healthier ways, not that we always get needs met, but to look for healthier ways to try and get them met. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Or as I, as I tell people, you know, if you quote those scholars, the Rolling Stones, uh, we don't always get what we want, but if we try sometimes, we get what we need. So, uh, so that occurs. That occurs in relationships too. Okay. Okay. And so then, if, um, in thinking about the psychodynamic approach, what can you tell just people who might be interested in it? Because again, we all have heard of Freud, and for example, you know, but like. Could you tell them, I guess, first of all, the basic outline, like you, you talk about, you, like you do brief therapy generally, right? Yeah, because I'm focusing on relational patterns, but, you know, if you're interested in, people are interested in the psychodynamic approach, you know, concepts like learning about the unconscious, you know, is important. I mean, how many times have we heard people say, I did X, but I don't know why? Mm -hmm. um, learn about the unconscious defenses, transference, uh, mixed emotions or ambivalences. The one thing, the thing that's used in the literature to turn people off the most to psychodynamic theory is the concept of penis envy. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, Freud was biologically based in his thinking. Mm -hmm. So he attributed a lot of the envy that his women uh, patients had to anatomy. But, you know, he saw something.
but we've come to see and I, I, that he saw something correctly, but it really had to do with what people over the years have called social envy, status envy, opportunity envy, where the times he practiced, women were really discouraged from getting education and opportunities. And so there was a lot of anger and frustration from his women patients about male siblings and men. And, and I'm not saying, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, discrimination, oppression, things don't occur now, but he, he saw something, but he, he, he didn't see it as the sociocultural phenomenon that psychodynamic thought has come to generally see it. Okay. And so I guess as you, as you think about that, then how, if somebody wanted to start, well, no, first, let me go back. So if someone, so some of the most common problems we see or, or issues that people come to therapy for are depression and anxiety. So can you just talk briefly about how, from a psychodynamic perspective, they, you view yeah. and anxiety or how you would treat that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to, assume everybody's going to fall into a same box, so to speak, but, um, but uh, for depression and anxiety, I, I look at things like, are there interpersonal needs that are not getting met that are contributing to them? Are there maladaptive patterns that are repeating and the person's responding to unmet needs and feeling not valued and dejected, for example, with anxiety, depression? Are they hard on themselves? You know, are, are they, uh, have they kind of taken in the critical beliefs of people from their growing up and now they're very hard on themselves and that might be creating depression because there's an underlying perfectionism that they can just never meet. So I'm, I'm looking both internally for what's going on within them and, and how they feel that, you know, uh, about how they're doing in life, as well as the quality and the nature of their relationships. And then I get to see how they relate to me. Mm-hmm. And that gives me additional information. Um, you know, you you probably have had the same experience as a therapist over years. At, at times, I have been credited with things I never said exactly the way they heard, <laughs> or blamed for things in, that I never <laughs> said in a certain way and and uh and maybe there's a parallel between that and parenting but um but um yeah so so i i would say anybody who's interested in this should really get education about psychodynamic thinking and and how how we conceptualize and then there's a lot of stuff we can't get into today that i use uh the use of dreams with some people when when they're open to that. Um, so so I, I think you know my hope is that in listening to this, some some people might get a little interested in learning more about the theory and the techniques and other ways to try to understand human behavior. Mm-hmm. So then, are are there any books you would recommend or anything you would recommend them listen to that you can think of like off the top of your head? Um, so many. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of, of stuff. Uh, I, I would, uh, you know, I can compile uh, some references okay. for you. Yeah, uh, we can we can add that to it. Yeah, that'd be great. 
and um, and videos. Uh, I have a video out there in YouTube land okay. from a, a school I teach for, and they put it out there on brief psychodynamic therapy. And I'll give you that link as well. I mean, it's you know people can take a look at that. And there, there's a lot of interesting stuff that I I hope uh, you know kind of this has whetted the appetite a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, are you uh, still doing supervision for individuals who are interested, or doing that as well? I, I have um, at the moment. Most of my time is with teaching and mentoring. I teach for two universities, and I have a psychodynamic study group for graduates who have interest in psychodynamic theory. And we meet monthly and go through uh, articles. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so uh, yeah, most of my time is right now with uh, with teaching. Okay, so maybe we can if if you ever have anybody join a group or something, maybe we can put something in there about the group so that they can know uh, about that as well. Um, I guess uh, the other thing that I just want to say is thank you first of all for for doing sure. This. And I'm hoping, like you said, that people will be interested because a lot of times people say they, they're, you know, they, they're looking at all the different theories and they pulled out different things. But again, just being intentional about doing it. So hopefully that people will be more curious so that when they do that, they, they have more informed information about it. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. And also, I'll, I'll try and put on that list uh, some, some work of some uh, colleagues that have really looked at the research efficacy of psychodynamic therapy. And uh, so people can see that, uh, you know, that there is a scholarly approach to this as well. And, and also, I'll tell you one experience I had with you before we go. I remember you and I were doing a role play years ago. I don't know if you remember this, in front of uh, some students in a class. We were in some kind of conference room, and we had a bunch of students there. And we were doing a role play, and I think that I was a therapist at the time. And I think, I don't know if somebody else was a client and you were watching me or something. I don't remember how it was going. But I remember that I said uh, something about the person being angry. And you said to me, you know, well, how do you know they're angry? They didn't use that word, you know, use the word that the person gave you. And to this day, I still remember. So it was a small thing, but it was like, yeah, I projected that word onto them. When in fact, like you said, I didn't, they didn't say it. I I just put all that together and came up with that word. And so I still teach my still, I still remember that to this day. And so I'm hoping even though that may seem small to some people that does, if you keep doing that to a client right over time, and I don't want to start back the conversation, but the point I guess I want to say is hopefully when people hear things like that, they're able to incorporate them. So I'm hoping that this type of of class and training will help people to just get those little tidbits like that so that they can just, you know, do, do even better to help people. Sure, sure. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to chat with you about all this. Yay, thank you. And I know you'll be back. So I appreciate you. All right. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for giving some of your time to listen to The Six Figure Therapist. If something was said that taught or inspired you, please join us on our mission to uplift and empower mental health practitioners. You can become part of the movement by sharing this episode, subscribing to the podcast, and leaving a review. We can also be found at Six Figure Therapist on YouTube and Instagram. Until next time, we wish you wellness. And remember, broke is not your color.